Hello, this is Mike Burek, your host and producer of Kranitsya, the Well podcast series about interesting and remarkable Ukrainians from around the world. Today is Thursday, July 29th, 2021. This episode is a special edition produced for the Ukrainian Weekly, an English language newspaper that has been serving the global Ukrainian community since 1933. Our guest for this episode is Yaroslav Martinyuk, who is a retired energy economist and sociologist, and probably most importantly, an author. So we'll be talking about all of that today. Welcome, Slavko. How are you? Very good. Thanks, Michael. So, Slavko, I started reading your book a bit, and it, as I mentioned to you before we started the interview, it's fascinating. And... I'd like you to talk to the audience about your early days during World War II in Modrenets and then in the Lviv region of Ukraine. How did you get from, well, first of all, start and give us the background there, but then I'm very curious about the whole movement that moved your family west to Regensburg in Germany and then eventually to Chicago. Yes, absolutely. As you had mentioned, I was born in a little town called Modrenets, which is near uh, the city of Holm in east, eastern Poland. Originally, we were from an, an area of the, the town of Kamianka near Lviv. But when the communists came, when the Soviets came, my father felt threatened and he moved the family from Kamianka to German-occupied Poland called General Gouvernement. So, and that's the reason I was born there, but I was actually raised in, starting in 41, in a town called Kamianka in Galicia, in Western Ukraine, which is roughly 40 kilometers northwest of Lviv. To escape certain death or gulag, my father, Roman, decided to flee west. And I vividly recall the last year of the war when we were invading the Bolshevik Yugernot. I recall specifically, we had the Soviet army in the, coming from the east. The German Wehrmacht was moving from the west. And from above us, American bombers were dropping bombs on the roads we were occupying. So. And I remember this very, very well from that period. So uh, at the end of the war, we ended up in Southern Germany in a DP camp near Regensburg, which is on a Danube, a beautiful town, by the way, that was not destroyed by, uh, during the war at all. This town, this DP camp was a piece of Galicia transplanted to Bavaria. In 1949, when I was nine, we immigrated to the United States and settled in Chicago, where I spent my teen years, belonged to PLAST, attended the Ukrainian School and Church of St. Nicholas, and later at the university, uh, I studied at the University of Illinois, where I majored in business and got a degree in finance and accounting. And after graduating in 1963, I enlisted in the U.S. Army Intelligence Corps Reserve where I was trained to interrogate prisoners of war and in imagery interpretation. Imagery interpretation is a specialty of interpreting aerial photography. 
After being released from active duty, I got a job at Amoco Oil in downtown Chicago, where during the next 15 years, I learned the oil business inside out. Now I'm skipping to 1979, which was a very lucky year for me. My experience in the oil industry landed me a job with the IEA OECD in Paris. IEA is the International Energy Agency uh, slash Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development. Very important international economic organization. The position, by the way, came with a diplomatic status. And I had all the privileges of a diplomat. And in France, this was a big deal. Slavko, can you talk a little bit about why you think the IEA hired you? Because you mentioned in your book a bit about your experience with Amoco Oil, uh, the Arab oil embargo of 1973, and the fact that you had some unique skills and information that probably helped you to get the job. Yes, my last position at Amoco was in a section called price controls. This is when the oil industry products were controlled by federal government. And, but these were very complicated regulations. Only specialists were able to understand that. In May of 1979, I was vacationing in Paris. And before that, and, and I was, had some contacts with the IEA. So I sent them my resume and said, if there is an opening, I might be interested. So when I was in Paris, I never got an answer, by the way. When I was in Paris, I decided to call them and I say, look, at least I'd like to come in and just to introduce myself. And one thing led to another from the personnel department. There was something about my background that interested them. And this is basically a, because I had practical experience in the oil industry. On my final interview, the deputy director, Wally Hopkins, asked me, how do you calculate the price of number two diesel fuel? And I rattled off the formula from the top of my head. And he was so thoroughly impressed because he said, for the last few months, we've been trying to figure out this formula and we couldn't understand it. And you answered this to us in two minutes. So I got the job. But still, when I went went back to the United States, I didn't hear from them for over a month. And then I get this incredible offer of a position of principal administrator of of the oil industry at the IEA with uh, all the benefits, perks that come with that position, including a diplomatic status. Anyway, in uh, October of that year, I packed up and moved to Paris. And that That's where I stayed for the next 12 years, which was probably the most exciting, interesting period of my life. And I understand you had a very good command of French at the time. Well, by chance, I was I happened to be studying French uh, because I like the French uh, culture and history. And that came in very handy because uh, they required uh, the people at the IEA required an extra language. So. I could say I spoke French, but I also spoke Ukrainian and had some knowledge of Polish and Russian. So that impressed them. But basically, the working language at the IEA was English. 
get by in France and Paris, uh, French was very helpful. And Slavko, how did you get from the IEA to Radio Liberty in Munich? See, w- working for the IEA, OECD, I, you, I worked on a fixed term contract. And the original contract was three years, but I got it extended for to six years. And in 1985, I had to go return to the United States. But I had a lot of friends at that time that were working for Radio Liberty. And it so happens that they were looking for somebody with my language skills, which was, uh, and I'm fluent, and by that time I was fluent in five. I was hired by Radio Liberty Research Outfit called the Soviet Area Audience and Opinion Research, which were located in Paris. The acronym was S-A-A-O-R. And that was a major career switch from energy economics to sociology, polling, very specialized polling. Now, the S-A-A-O-R developed a model for conducting opinion research with Soviets who happened to be temporarily in Western Europe, either for business reasons, uh, they were diplomats, tourists, tourist uh, entertainment people. And I was put in charge of a network of 50 Russian-speaking interviewers in 12 cities from Copenhagen in the north to Rome and Athens in the south. We were engaged in what's today known as undercover social science. But I cover all this in my memoir, Monterosa, Memoir of an Accidental Spy. Let's begin to talk about your memoir, Slavko. It came out in 2017? 2018, actually, at the end of 17, but it was distributed in 18. So that's three years ago. So what motivated you to write your memoir? During all this time, I was writing letters to my friends, and my friends everywhere said, Slavko, you've got to put this down on paper. And I was postponing, postponing until finally, after I retired, I started to write. And, uh, and this is the result. It's labor of love of about five years' work. The memoir itself spans the first 50 years of my life and ends with the fall of the Soviet Union in 1991. And more than half of the book is devoted to my life and work in France. And after the fall of the Berlin Wall, in-country opinion research became possible that means we could go to the countries east of uh, the Iron Curtain and do our research in the country. And that is when I began traveling extensively throughout Eastern Europe and the former Soviet Union. And during the next 20 years, I visited roughly 30 countries in Eastern Europe, the Balkans, three Baltic states, the Caucasus region, five Central Asian countries, and of course, Belarus, Russia, and Ukraine. I understand that when the Soviet Union fell in 1991, you were actually climbing Monte Rosa in Switzerland. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it was in a, one of those, what I call synchronous, synchronous moments, uh, coincidences in my life. In mid-August, I'd sign up with a group of Alp. Uh, Swiss alpinist to climb the highest peak in Switzerland. I've been climbing before. I climbed Mont Blanc and uh, other peaks, but this was a challenge. So when I signed up, 
the Soviet Union was still whole. This is about the middle of August. When I came back a week later, the Soviet Union disintegrated. And on August 24th, Ukraine declared independence. And I call this, I call this moment, my Monterosa moment, because it was my spirit reached new, new heights physically and metaphorically, as I write. That was um, a special moment. Also in 1991, the office from Paris moved to Munich, which was uh, the headquarters of Radio Liberty, Radio Free Europe. So it's, um, time is too short to recount all of these travels. So I will focus on three key events and meetings with my family in Ukraine. Sanko, I just want to point out that we're almost at the end of our time. So if you could perhaps summarize that, and then I'll ask you one final question. When I first vis visited my village, uh, Tadani, at the banks of the Buch, I learned about my grandfather, grandmother's fate for the first time. In the winter of 1945-46, she was arrested and sent to Vorkuta on a, on a cattle train. There, she suffered from extreme cold exhaustion and malnutrition and died. Four years later, I met for the first time my, my father's youngest brother, Uncle Dozik, in Crimea, here Pretoria. After World War II, Uncle Dozik joined the UPA, Ukrainian Insurgent Army, and was horribly wounded in a firefight with the NKVD and was sentenced to 10 years of hard labor in Kolyma, which was known as the Arctic Death Camps. And during the two days I spent with him, I recorded this conversation, which I recount in the chapter of my uh, Monte Rosa called Family in the Gulag. And finally, very briefly, in December of 2004, I witnessed the Orange Revolution. At that time, we were working with the Kiev International Institute of Sociology. And I was managing a survey I was managing at, at the time on behalf of Radio Liberty. The survey was instrumental in triggering the Orange Revolution. This uh, allowed the candidate Yushchenko to win. For our audience, you can find Slavko's book, Monterosa, Memoirs of an Accidental Spy, published in 2018, in your local bookstore and, of course, online at Amazon. Slavko, I understand, and this is my final question, that you have plans for a sequel to the book. How is that going? Yes, uh, I started writing a sequel because between 1991 and 2011, like I said, I traveled to nearly 30 countries in the, in the former Soviet Union and Eastern Europe. I had a lot of interesting experiences and memories after I retired in 2011. I had the material, my letters, and I'm more than halfway finished with the sequel, which will I plan to finish it this year and it will be published next year. Well, we certainly look forward to seeing that. Slavko, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. This is Mike Burek, your host and the producer of Kredinitsya, The Well a podcast series about interesting and remarkable Ukrainians from around the world. Today's episode is a special edition produced for the Ukrainian Weekly, an English language newspaper which has been serving the global Ukrainian community since 1933. 
And my guest has been Yaroslav Matenyuk, who is now retired, who was an energy economist, a sociologist, and most importantly, an author. Until next time, that's all for now.